Welcome everyone to The Old Continent, a podcast where we focus on Europe, its people and its politics. Each episode with a new country in focus, and this is our third episode, my name is Dennis Nelson, and today's episode we'll dig into the geographical center of Europe, specifically Lithuania and its sky-high suicide rates. My colleague Gabriela Niekieta is joining me in the studio and she'll be giving us some insight for this week's topic. Won't you, Gabby? I will, and thank you for having me, Dennis. My pleasure. It's indeed unfortunate that a country rich in fostering singing culture and creativity only a decade ago holding the name of one of the Baltic Tigers for its bold and brief steps in strengthening the economy and getting out of the Soviet shadows today is perceived as one of the frontrunners of the suicidal rates in Europe. Thank you for that propaganda. But yes, indeed, today we'll be unraveling Lithuania's fight against the highest suicide rates in Europe. A somber and tragic topic, but let's hear from Natan Galo, who will walk us through a short historical background to help us understand that suicide is nothing new in Lithuania. Lithuania has not always been a country with high societal rates. However, Lithuanian history has been regularly symbolized with this timeless romantic figure of a people refusing to endure oppression and ready to commit suicide for their ideals. We can mention, for instance, the heroic defense of the hill of Pileni in 1336, when the defenders, invaded by the Teutonic Order, decided to commit mass suicide. Or one can also refer to Roma Scalanta. This 19-year-old became a symbol after immolating himself in 1972 to condemn the Soviet Union. In a note he left was written, quote, Blame only the regime for my death. End quote. In the following weeks, 13 Lithuanians followed his example and also committed suicide. All these stories embody the romantic vision of suicide spread in culture and Lithuanian history books. However, cultural features do not explain everything, and historical events of the 20th century play a large part in this society issue. Indeed, Lithuania has not always faced high suicide rates. Before World War II, eight people out of 100,000 committed suicide in Lithuania which is four times less than today. At that time, the Lithuanian society was mainly based on a strong Catholic community, mostly rural and with a stable routine. But with the end of World War II came a new oppressor, the Soviet Union, which invaded all Baltic countries, including Lithuania. Stalin then ordered to deport 300,000 Lithuanian citizens and to set up the system of collective farms. The terror regime completely changed the society ordered. Alcoholism rose dangerously in rural areas as poverty came up. And in 1981, more than 30 Lithuanians out of 100,000 committed suicide. A rate which rocketed to 46 in the aftermath of the Soviet collapse. To some experts, unemployment, alcoholism and poverty, which remained after the hope of independence, have led to this important raise. Other countries, which were formerly part of the Soviet Union, 
have been also facing societal issues since the 1990s. Still, Lithuania has the largest problems regarding this strong concern. So it seems like the Soviet regime left a wound which is not easily healed, am I right? Yes, it is a burden our nation is facing and has been fighting with for almost 30 years now. However, mentality doesn't change easily and historical memory is still quite vivid. I mean, my own parents lived through the regime. Yeah, some of us were born during the times of the Soviet Union. But now, let's pass the mic to Breni Aizetuno, who has looked into the actual circumstances of suicide in Lithuania, where a special helpline has sought to change the somber statistics. On January 30th, 1998, Vidyas Linia became a member of the Lithuanian Telephone Assistance Service Association. The phrase Vildias Linia is Lithuanian for Line of Hope, and that is exactly what the organization provides. Its foundation aims to combat Lithuania's stigma as a suicide center of Europe, and therefore it provides free, anonymous, emotional support via phone and email to all adult residents of Lithuania as well as Lithuanians abroad. The work is based on the principles of confidentiality and anonymity. Therefore, each Line of Hope consultant or volunteer is bounded by the ethical principles of a consultant. Sandra Anushkevicina, a coordinator for Line of Hope and a psychologist, tried to explain the reasons behind the need for such a suicide helpline in Lithuania. People seeking for help are disappointed by the institutional services, therefore they stop seeking for it. From what I hear, there's a great disappointment with the services regarding to psychological, emotional and psychiatric support. So this might be one of the reasons why people commit suicide, that I can tell. In reality, in rural areas, the availability of psychological support is really limited. Usually, there are no working psychologists. If there are, the cues to get the appointment are enormous. However, when people find themselves in crises, they need instant help, here and now, without waiting. Another point is that in small regions, everyone knows everyone. And this also limits receiving support, especially if the psychologist is from the same community. So people wonder whether they can seek for help while worrying about confidentiality. On the other hand, in the bigger cities, they have more variety of support centers. There are crisis centers open, there are more mental health centers, and the person has freedom of choice. As for small regions, there is no choice, and there are most likely regions where there is no specialist of this kind at all, and it is extremely difficult to get any help, sometimes even impossible. The Line of Hope also deals with people who may have a problem with loneliness, especially in the cases where there are emigrations or losses of relatives or significant others. To them, the loneliness usually seems too heavy of a burden to bear. This is primarily in regards to the lack of mental health services for residents in those remote areas. In fact, this disparity is reflected in the suicide rates of Lithuania. According to the statistical data collected by the state's mental health center, the last three years demonstrates that those who are most likely to fall victim of suicide are middle-aged to elderly men living in the rural areas of Lithuania. I can only comment from what I've heard from the conversations. 
It seems like men are facing a serious crisis in that particular age because the retirement age is getting closer and people are experiencing an incredible loss because they're losing their job, losing income, their status, and it's a great loss. While for the younger generation, losing a job is not an end. They still have hope. There are opportunities to be employed and live. But when it comes to older age, the possibilities are narrowed, resulting in heavy experiences and feeling of purposelessness because there's nothing left in life, only death because they think they have lost everything. Also, people of this age are usually facing loss of their significant other, like their children. Sometimes they get to bury their children or friends or relatives pass away. So the reality is that there's a lot of losses faced by people of this age, and this might be one of the reasons for high suicide rate. There also seems to be a masculinity stigma tied to the reasons why men seem to be more inclined to committing suicide. For example, according to statistics from 2016, out of 823 persons who committed suicide, nearly 700 were men. This may be due to the commonly held belief in Lithuania that if men try to get mental health support, they are no longer manly. Women, on the other hand, may also have suicidal thoughts at the same rate as men, but the social norms better allow for them to seek help by either talking about their suicide issues with friends or referring to mental health professionals. Masculinity stigma, however, may just be one of the many variables that leads to these disproportionate suicide rates in Lithuania. It is also related to alcohol consumption. We frequently receive calls from men who are intoxicated, and when they are affected by alcohol, it is more likely that they will have suicidal thoughts, as well as they will be more likely to commit suicidal acts when drunk, because only then they let themselves accept help. As for women, they can accept help without being intoxicated. The masculinity stigma and alcoholism are just two variables that may affect suicidal thoughts in Lithuania. But the problem is much more complex and difficult to understand, even for experts like Sandra. As for certain reasons, probably nobody succeeded in fully explaining why people are committing suicide. It is a rather complex problem, built from a number of experiences. There is no single reason, but from what we have noticed, most cases, people who are considering suicide or who are committing the act of suicide are doing because they are unable to bear the mental suffering. They don't want to die in reality, but they want to break that mental suffering which they are experiencing. And this is why they bring themselves to that. There is nothing more that can relieve their suffering. There is nothing more left, just to commit suicide. This is a thought at least which reaches us and people who are calling to the line are usually telling their experiences, what they are suffering from, how they are feeling, and in this way relieving their shoulders from the burden. And we definitely sometimes hear them saying, I don't want to die. I have found a hope to live now. I feel relieved. I will not try to commit suicide anymore. And this suggests that the mental suffering can indeed be a reason to raise a hand against your own life. Despite the statistical evidence which demonstrates Lithuania as the European Center for Suicide Acts, the problem is in decline. And this is largely due to the strengthening of the civil society tier that targets mental health issues in Lithuania. The Line of Hope is just one example from which success is apparent. 
In the last 11 months, for example, they received nearly 14,000 calls. And out of those, nearly 1,600 calls were related to suicides. According to Sandra, in all 1,600 calls, the helpline was able to successfully mediate counsel and then stop the callers from committing suicide. I think it is really important to note that there is now huge effort being put because it might sound like nothing is happening, but I would really like to mention that there are a lot of things happening in this field. All the lines for emotional support, crisis centers being opened. I can really see hope. We are going in the right direction and it would be great to shed the light on this situation, that everything is now developing to the brighter side. People are more and more seeking support and the help is more and more accessible for everyone. We're not in a hopeless situation anymore. It's always motivating to hear positive notes regarding these things, right? That's right. And Veltia's Linia is not the only initiative. A number of helplines and activist movements now work for raising awareness and drafting the suicide prevention strategies in local and national levels. So, change is happening, which now Alexandro Castilla will present for us. According to the official European data gathered by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the yearly suicide rate in Lithuania started going down in 2004, from 43 deaths per 100,000 Lithuanians to 29 a decade later. The number is still almost 10 times bigger than the lowest suicide rate in Europe, which belongs to Greece. But there is still hope. From having the highest suicide rate in the world in the 1990s, Lithuania is now number 8 on this list. In the years leading up to 2005, the suicide rate in Lithuania has gone down drastically. This is due to improvements in the mental health care system, development of the suicide prevention program and strict alcohol control measures. However, there is no data on the effectiveness of the various national and local suicide prevention projects and programs. Lithuania's decline in suicide mortality may have also resulted from other non-interventionary processes like immigration and lower unemployment. There is much criticism of the way that the government and politicians handle policies in order to bring down the number of suicides. A national audit report on the suicide prevention strategies shows that measures are planned inappropriately and there is no comprehensive system for providing aid for those who are at risk of suicide. The World Health Organization has approved a Mental Health Action Plan for 2013-2020. Suicide prevention is an integral part of the plan. Member states are committed to the common goal of decreasing the number of suicides by 10% by 2020. One of the goals of the Lithuanian Health Strategy 2014-2025 is to decrease suicides to 19.5 cases per 100,000 residents by 2020 and then to 12 cases by 2025. The achievement of such an ambitious goal necessitates the mobilization and purposeful action on the part of all sectors – health, education, social security, labor, interior affairs and NGOs. Yulia Meishime from the Vilnius City Public Health Bureau talked with us about good examples of implementation of these strategies, but also problems with adapting them at a bigger scale. She thinks that the Vilnius and Kupiškis municipalities are making efforts in the right direction. 
A big team is working together on this issue. Scientists, specialists, NGOs, and I think that the real changes will be visible only when the work is unified. At the moment, we only have single initiatives around the country, but a unified general program has only been created in Vilnius. Unfortunately, there is no national strategy for suicide prevention. I have to admit that we have a flawed mental health policy, even though there were first steps taken in the right direction in the beginning of independence, forming a ground policy for suicide prevention, but it was not fully realized. We have poor management and the biggest share of the funds being distributed to maintain the mental health institutions and medication. This is a mistake and the biggest problem at the moment. Arguably, the most successful health policy in Lithuania has been the State Alcohol Control Program, which was launched in 1998 and has led to a sharp decrease in alcohol consumption and not the least alcohol-related deaths, as many cases of suicides in Lithuania are alcohol-related. To discourage teenagers from getting drunk, in 2006 the state banned sales of alcohol on the 1st of September, when Lithuanians celebrate their Day of Science and Knowledge. It's the start of the school and university term in the Baltic country. Kids and students traditionally bring flowers to their teachers. No alcohol was allowed to be consumed on the streets either, and sales were restricted to a select group of bars in the capital. Lithuania's government recently passed legislation banning alcohol advertising entirely from TV, radio and newspapers. The legislation also cut the hours at which alcohol can be sold in shops and, most controversially, increased the legal drinking age from 18 to 21. Officially enforced on the 1st of January 2018, it will be illegal for those under 21 to drink alcohol, making the law the most prohibitive in Europe. Liberal members of parliament have questioned the effectiveness of banning alcohol. According to the latest World Health Organization data, Lithuanians are the world's heaviest drinkers and the country's addiction shows no signs of stopping. The liberals complain that the government is targeting the wrong people saying it's the older generations who are drinking the most. Other citizens criticized and demonstrated against the government for this law. A concert called Freedom for Rock and Roll was staged outside the parliament in May, where thousands attended. Similar demonstrations occurred in the city of Kaunas. The law also created the movement We Are Not Sick. Member of this movement, Justina Getgodaite, says the government has good intentions in fighting alcohol addiction, but they are looking in the wrong places. She says that the real problem is in the villages, where there is a different culture and no ban will stop the inhabitants from consuming alcohol. Still, Lithuanians have shown that they want to create awareness of this national issue. In 2015, hundreds of people united in the cathedral square of Lithuania's capital city of Vilnius to protest the government's inaction over the country's high suicide rate. The event was organized by two theater performers, Yolanta Dabkunaite and Arunas Sakalauskas. They were motivated by the fact that they had lost multiple colleagues to suicide in the past six years. The action received attention from renowned psychologists and the media, but it did not have the impact that the organizers had desired. One of the goals was to encourage people to donate money to the organization Yonimo Linia, which means Youth Line. In addition to setting up a helpline, Aruna Sakalauskas organized the protest through Facebook, inviting 1,095 people to lie down on the pavement of the cathedral square, one for every suicide in the last year. Only 500 turned up, 
but the pictures help provoke more debate on social media in Lithuania about the country's mental health problems. In 2009, Youthline, together with popular rock singer Andrius Mamontovas, started a suicide prevention initiative called Do Not Be Afraid to Talk. Since then, hundreds of thousands of cards with key suicide risk signs were distributed and dozens of educational meetings were organized in various places across Lithuania. The campaign had a TV ad with Mamontovas involved and a tour was organized around the most affected areas of the country. 40,000 printed postcards listed nine ways of discouraging people who may want to commit suicide. The singer signed them all and gave them out at his concerts. As a result, the number of calls for help had doubled. According to the former director of Youthline, Paulus Skroivis, quote, rather than speak of deportations, crisis or bad weather, it gives one simple piece of advice. Conversation can save lives. It makes me proud that we're actually making progress here. Of course. The numbers are still high, but one specific city in Lithuania has actually done quite a lot, which Emil Stauron Larsen has more on. Kubishkis is a small city, 150 kilometers north of the capital Vilnius. Gaila Matelute, a local citizen, thinks it's a very normal Lithuanian town on the surface. So it's quite small, it is cozy, it, is, uh, it has nice history, it has uh, nice people, we know each other. Uh, so it is, it's nice to live, it's small to live, it's, for me personally it's a very good place to, to stay. From the meter-tall sign welcoming you to the town, a road takes you by the bus station, the city hall, a small creek and an enormous church before you exit the town with a large lagoon just outside the town sign. But despite the cozy atmosphere, something is wrong. In the shadows of the two trademark church towers lurks a darker tale of the town. Once, a priest had described the place as the Valley of Death. When I was visiting the city, one of the locals suggested to me that Kubiskas was perhaps just the wrong place. Maybe something had happened in the past. In 2014, Kubiskas had an unfortunate record. Uh, that Kubiskas was... The number one according to the rate of suicide in Lithuania. So it is sad to say why we are famous, but it was several years ago. To combat the record high suicide rate, the former mayor of the town teamed up with Valya Shap, a psychologist who has now been described as a saint in suicide prevention circles. Together, they started to fight back. Uh, they started initiative and decided to bring together the best uh, experts in Lithuania, in general, the best, the, the best experts of suicide treatment, prevention, and uh, scientists and psychiatrists, and also to bring together all local community members. So all, uh, no matter which profession they are, so police officers, social workers, teachers, priests, and so on. Gaela Matalute is one of the many locals working with the project, and from their work, the Kubiskis algorithm was born, a single piece of paper that illustrates how to react in different situations. Whether the person is at risk, have done harm to themselves, or are a relative. Also now we spread this uh, idea and this algorithm in other municipalities. It is still too early to draw conclusions, says Gaila, but the numbers of suicides are dropping. One is still too many, but Gaila thinks that it proves that the system is working. But in 2016, the number decreased in half, uh, just in half. We had 10 
cases of suicide, and this year we have uh, six cases. So it's the, the number is decreasing, but I think it's not the numbers that count. So even one person, it counts. But the main is, I think the main uh, important uh, change that happened, uh, that is help is reachable, that you can reach the help, that you, you can get the number of psychologists, psychologists anytime during the day or night. So it is, it is the system that I think works. The algorithm has given new belief that help is possible. The, the people started to believe in the system. They started to believe that we together we can solve the problem. The, the people of Kupishkes, they, they started to believe that help is possible. And with this newfound belief, people have gotten closer and started giving more attention to their friends, neighbors and family members. People are more connected, people are more informed about the case and, uh, so, and more attentive. With the initiative, work and help from locals and the community, fear and silence have been turned into hope and encouragement. So I just, I truly believe in the, in the system. I truly believe in, in the solutions. We, we add like our projects, like the helpline for seniors and the other different initiatives we make or other institutions and organizations make. Just maybe I would uh, wish also to other Lithuanian municipalities and our just listeners uh, just to wish, do not stop to believe that help is reachable, that, that suicide is never a solution, that life, it is worth to live. But however grand the changes, the Lithuanian society still has a lot of stigma around suicide to make up with. And there was actually an interesting case in one of the schools in Vilnius where a play full of discussions among the teachers, students and parents. Let's again hear from Emil about this case. We all know the romance of Romeo and Julia and also know the tragic ending. Probably the world's most famous suicide is staged in a play. A lesser-known suicide caused controversy at a local school in Vilnius earlier this year. At first, when I got the, the script, the, the, the play, I didn't think it would be such a big deal. Mikle Vichunaite is the director of the play, From Coffin to Coffin, about the young man Sigmas, whose struggles ultimately end with him ending his own life. The play started as a simple school project, but started a bigger discussion about suicide, taboo and censorship. The school refused to let the other students see the play. They thought it would be a, um, a bad influence on the, the, the viewer's uh, mental health. They were uh, concerned that... Uh, those who watch it will uh, start uh, contemplating suicide. The lack of will to show the play illustrates some of the general issues in the battle against suicide in Lithuania. Stigma, taboo and fear. The school board was afraid of the potential consequences from showing the play and tried to shun the students from facing it. But this is the wrong way to do it, believes Migler. It is necessary to face suicide to be able to act. People don't want to talk about it for various reasons and I, I think they, they should because that's how you solve a problem. You admit that there is one and you do then something about it. Uh, as long as people keep denying it, nothing will be achieved. After pressure from students and parents, the school allowed students of at least 18 years to watch the play, and the play created some strong reactions from the students. The, the students, they actually liked it. Uh, some people cried, some people uh, just were shocked, I guess. 
And uh, w this one girl, she said that after seeing this play, it made me realize that I should actually ask other people how, how they are holding up and it made me more aware of other people. So I think that was the goal to, to raise awareness, to make people look out for each other. And the, the reaction of the students was the opposite of what the school board um, anticipated. The play opened a discussion that otherwise often had been shut off. And this is an important aspect of doing the play, says Mikle. I mean, after the play was shown, there was a discussion between the um, adults and the students. And I think that was the aim, to raise discussion, to to make people believe that they can talk about this and they, they can get help and they can help. A stage play might not solve all problems, but it can start a debate. This was Migla's aim, and she succeeded in doing so, despite the warnings and fears from the school board. I'm not qualified to solve this problem, but I think I can do my best to make people want to solve it. An interesting story, which concludes our show, Gabby. It is indeed a great example of public activism in Lithuania. In the end of the day, it's all about the community and people around you, isn't it? It seems so, yeah. And Lithuanians do know how to get together and bring the community back on its feet. I believe you. So thank you for joining me today, Gabby. My pleasure. And thank you, dear listener, for staying tuned. Unfortunately, we'll have a short Christmas break here on the continent. But we'll be back in the new year of 2018 with more crisp stories for you. In the meantime, be sure to like our Facebook page and give us a like on iTunes. It surely helps a lot. And again, thanks for listening and Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year.